All right, I'm excited for this series. I don't know if anybody else is, but I'm excited for this series. Hey, uh, good morning. Happy June. Goodness, can you believe it's June? How many of you guys are loving the rain? Anybody? How many of you guys are like, I'm over it? Yeah, over it. All right. Yeah, very good. It's like it's June. It's supposed to be sunny like 365 days in Colorado or something like that. What happened to that? So, uh, hey, my name's Aaron. If you're new here, I'm one of the pastors and incredibly grateful to have you with us. If you're not in a hurry today, I would love to just get to know your name. And so if you don't mind stopping by, I'm going to be out in the docks after we're done in here, uh, out in the docks area of our lobby. And I'd love to say hi. And again, just to get to know your name. So hopefully you'll stop by and do that. Um, I want to do something that we probably should have done last week, but we're going to go ahead and do it today. Do we have any graduates, high school graduates, college graduates, or academy graduates? If you do, stand your feet, stand your feet, stand your feet. Can we give it up for these guys? Keep going, keep standing, keep standing. Awesome. All right, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. I think you know this, but I want to go ahead and say it to you. Uh, the world that you're stepping into is crazy and chaotic. And I hope that if you've learned anything over the course of being here, because I don't know where your graduation is going to take you. I don't know where you're headed to next. But I do pray that you would live out our mission. It's the same mission that we look at every single time we walk out those doors. It's right there on the wall. We're on mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And if you're new to trace, we define love by the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. And so when you go, where you go, whenever, wherever you go, wherever God leads you next, I would hope that you would leave a trace of the fullness of of God's truth and the fullness of God's grace everywhere you go and do, don't, don't ever minimize the impact that God wants to make in your life. Amen. Can we give it up for those guys one more time? Well, today we are kicking off this new series. It's our summer series. It's called Top 10. What are you searching for? And the idea behind this came from a marketing company that we started working with because we're hoping to reach more people in this city who are far from God. And in our conversations with them, they let us know that they could show us, they could show us what people in Colorado Springs are searching for. And so it's like, oh, hey, I'm really interested in that. And so they gave us the list and that's where we developed the idea of doing this series. Now, as you can imagine, the things that people are searching for, uh, some of them are very painful. As you can imagine, some of them are things that people want to keep private. Some of them represent problems and brokenness that are in people's lives. And so we're gonna be covering uh, a lot of things over the course of the summer. I would encourage you to be here every Sunday that you can. Uh, now, as you can imagine, we also had to kind of get, get rid of some of the subjects that people are searching for that aren't relevant to preaching, like gas stations near me, right? And that was high on the list, or restaurants near me. Or when are the Miller Moths actually going to migrate, right? <laughs> Weren't they supposed to keep moving? I think they migrated to my garage. That's where I think they migrated. Yeah, some of you guys can identify with that. But here's what I wanna do. I wanna go ahead and show you uh, what people have been looking for. And I'm gonna give you the list of things that we're gonna cover over the course of this series. And I'm gonna show you starting with the ones that are the least searched. Again, this is still the top 10 list, but the least searched to the most searched. So we're gonna cover the subject of parenting and talk about some guidelines and boundaries, some several parents. And you can see those are searches per month. So a thousand per month. Uh, parents trying to figure it out. Like, how, how do I raise my teenager in this social media world, this digital world? Uh, we're going to talk about marriage and dating, do, do two different sermons on that subject. Um, it's kind of heartbreaking when you look at all the different things. We just highlighted a few on here, but several different things. Signs my spouse is cheating on me. How do I get a divorce? And so some very hard things people are going through, but I think it's also appropriate that we do a sermon for our single folks in here that are dating or looking to date to make sure that you're preparing well. 
We're gonna talk about homosexuality. Uh, that's a subject that people are searching for, as you can see those subjects. And again, we're just giving you a few that are within that genre. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? Is being gay a sin? What's the non-binary mean? There's not a lot of new language that's come up lately. And so we're going to, to cover that. We're gonna cover the subject of money. A lot of people curious about recession. How much money do I need to retire? How to save money? So we'll do a, a sermon on money. Um, anxiety. And it's interesting when you read number one there as the uh, search item, signs of a panic attack. And that really does start to let you into the life of so many because the likelihood of you searching for signs of a panic attack kind of show that you're probably thinking you're having one. And so just imagine what people are dealing with. Uh, I'm gonna have Dr. T cover that subject as I think he'll do a phenomenal job with it as well as the next one, which is depression. Uh, depression symptoms, 2.8 thousand a month, people are searching, wondering, is this what's wrong with me? Is, is this what I have? Is this, is this what I'm dealing with? And then the eating disorders, along with some other things people are searching for, just coping mechanisms of trying to, to dial in just this chaos and confusion in their lives. Uh, health and fitness, uh, 3,000 a month. And then the last one and the most heartbreaking one is pornography. I just want you to look at that number. That's 860,000 searches a month in our city. And so uh, I'm gonna give you a heads up on some of these that we know that are gonna be heavier just to kind of give you a week's advance notice if you have your kids with you. Some of them, like on the one on pornography, I would encourage you to have your students with you, your middle school students and high school students. Uh, that one will be the last one that we do and we're going to make a big deal about it because it is a big deal. And just based on how many people are in this room right now, uh, there's a large group of people in this room right now that this is an issue for you. And so uh, we're gonna cover it and we're gonna make sure we cover it well. But for our time today, I thought we would start with something a little bit lighter. And so today I'm going to cover the subjects of health and fitness to which some of you are thinking, how in the world are you gonna preach a sermon about health and fitness? To which I would tell you, you might be surprised. Now, to be clear, what I'm not gonna do is teach you the proper form of a push-up. Um, or talk about how the best form or style of working out for Christians is CrossFit. CrossFit, no, it's a bad joke. It's a bad joke. All right, but what I do want to do, and honestly, primarily what I want to accomplish is to teach you a higher level of theology of the body. Now, we had a, a Catholic with us last service and she came up to me and she said, I'm so glad you preached on the theology of body because John Paul, one of the popes, wrote a book about the theology of body. And I'm like, yeah, they're always still in my content. And so, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm not sure how he approached it. But what I want to do today is talk about the importance of understanding the significance of your body and having a higher theology of your body. It's the only body that you're gonna get. It's the only body that God has given you. And to have a, a higher understanding of how God chooses and desires to use the very thing that we call our bodies. And I would make the argument that if we're gonna talk about health and fitness, if we're gonna talk about the importance of having a healthy lifestyle, I think it would become, it would fall well short of having a full understanding of that without having a higher understanding of the theology of body. So to begin, I wanna jump into 1 Corinthians chapter six, beginning in verse 18. This is what the apostle Paul says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. 
Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, some of you may be wondering, like, hey, I thought we were talking about health and fitness. Like, why are we talking about sexual immorality? Well, it's important to note this particular passage because this is the only time the Apostle Paul singles out a specific verse and talks about how the, the unique, this unique sin has unique consequences in our lives. And the example that he gives and the context that he gives is the fact that this sin, sexual sin, is against the body. Now, what he's doing is he's beginning to build a theology of our body. Understanding that our bodies aren't just our bodies, they're not our own. That the Holy Spirit actually uses this physical body as his dwelling place. Now, if you've been in Christian circles for long enough or been in churches like this long enough, you've heard this passage and you've heard it used. Oftentimes it's even used in health and fitness type of conversations. Honor God with your bodies, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But what people fail to realize is all that transpired to get us to this point. Like when, when Paul says in this statement, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, I think it's critical as a Christian to understand all that had to transpire before we got to this reality, before we got to the point to where the Holy Spirit actually now dwells within your physical body, if you're a follower of Jesus. So to build this theology of the body for you, I'm gonna go all the way back to the garden. In the garden of Eden, we see the heart of our heavenly father. We see that from the very beginning, he had a desire for his presence to be within our proximity, that he wanted a deep physical relationship with us. It was his desire from the beginning. In Genesis chapter three, we see that it says the Lord was walking through the garden. He was looking for Adam and Eve. His presence was in their proximity. It's the way he created it to be. But because of their sin, because they went against the will of God, they separated themselves from God. Because God doesn't want to be a part of our sinful lives. He created us, he created Adam and Eve to be perfect and he is perfect. And so by them sinning and going against the will of God, they separated themselves from that presence. Now fast forward to about 1450 BC. And right now, some of you guys are wondering like, where are you going? Listen, I promise I'm gonna get some practical things later about health and fitness, but this is critical, this is critical. Fast forward to 1450 BC and we're now during the, the life of Moses, right after they were freed from Egyptian slavery and God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to set up a system, a religious system and I'm gonna give you some laws and then I want you to develop what's called a priesthood that will hold people accountable to those laws and then he instructs the Israelites to build what is called the tabernacle. Now in the Hebrew, tabernacle means a dwelling place of God. And that's important that you remember this. The tabernacle is the dwelling place of God. And there was a room in the tabernacle where, uh, they called it the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God would preside. Now there were limitations with this model and God knew it was a temporary step, but it allowed God's presence to be in proximity once again to the people that he had created. And so every year they would bring their sacrifices, a sheep, a goat, and they called it the day of atonement and they would offer those sacrifices and the high priest would take some blood from those sacrifices and go back in the room of the Holy of Holies, spread it around. And it was a sign as, if, as uh, them being forgiven. God would forgive them for one more year of their sins. It was a temporary fix. Now fast forward again to about 960 BC. 
And we go from the tabernacle to the temple. You see, God instructs Solomon, which was King David's son, to move away from this temporary structure that was a portable structure called the tabernacle. And he said, instead, I want you to build a permanent structure called the temple. And within the temple, there's still going to be the same room called the Holy of Holies, where I will preside and you'll continue to make these temporary sacrifices and I will temporarily forgive you one year at a time. Now, if you jump to about the fourth century, fourth and fifth century BC, you'll learn, and many of you know this as the Babylonian exile, that King Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the temple, and then it was rebuilt again in the third and fourth century BC, and then that leads us to the time of Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? Well, he came to offer a permanent solution to our sin. He came to offer a permanent solution to get rid of this temple model, this temporary way of connecting with God and this, this uh, form of allowing God to be in the presence of the people that he created, but with limitations, Jesus came to fulfill all of that. He fulfilled the old covenant and he came to establish a brand new covenant called the covenant of God's grace. And the covenant of God's grace meant that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, who's often referred to as the spotless lamb, because he's the only one, the only human being that has ever lived out that law that he gave to the Israelites, that God gave to the Israelites. Jesus is the only one who lived that out perfectly. And so when he sacrificed his life, it was the only perfect sacrifice that by putting our faith and trust in him, now our sins could be forgiven forever, not temporarily. And here's the cool thing. Jesus became our tabernacle. Jesus became the dwelling place, the presence of God among us. There's a really interesting interaction in John chapter two, when Jesus comes into the courtyard of the temple and they're trying to sell stuff and they're using the temple and they're using kind of God really to, to make money. And Jesus is like, what are, you, what are you prostituting the temple now? And he starts flipping over tables and he gets out a whip and he starts whipping people, believe it or not, it's crazy. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day during the day of Jesus are like, whose authority do you have to be able to do this? Jesus says something incredibly interesting. He says, destroy this temple and I will build it back in three days. And they're like, what? They exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days? Jesus said, this temple? Oh, I'm sorry, but when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. That the presence of God was no longer going to dwell within buildings, but within the body, the resurrected body of Jesus. Now it gets really cool. Jesus said, because I'm the only perfect sacrifice and because I'm the only one that could make that sacrifice on your behalf and therefore allow your sins to be forgiven forever and the presence of God is me. I'm the temple, I'm the tabernacle. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. If you'll trust me, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, which means you become the dwelling place of God. <laughs> wow. Theology of the body. Let me show you what John says in John chapter 14. I'm sorry, Jesus says in John 14. 
and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you, what? Forever, not temporary. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and he will be in you. Wow. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, when I read that last statement this morning in preparing for this sermon, I felt like God prompted me to kind of take a detour really quick. So just allow me to do this. I know more than most that many of you in this room are going through a really hard time right now. Some of you potentially have just been full of despair, potentially despairing life. Some of you are going through an ugly divorce. Some of you are wondering, is the presence of God here? And I want you to know that he is. It was his desire from the very beginning to allow his presence to be within your proximity. And everything that I just explained, look at the links that he went to so that he could be not just with you, but in you. He'll never leave you. No matter how isolated you feel in your own personal hell right now, he'll never leave you. He will come to you. He will come to you. God's desire from the beginning of creation was to be with us. We messed that up because of our sin. And so we set up a system. It was a temporary system where our sins could be forgiven one year at a time. It had major limitations. But through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, not only are we under this new covenant of God's grace, but when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, we become the dwelling place of God. Honor God with your bodies. Paul says, do you not know? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God, you're not your own. You can't do, your, do to your body whatever you want to if you're a follower of Jesus. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. So what's the application for that? that that's why you don't eat donuts. I'm just kidding, that's not the application. <laughs> By the way, Krispy Kremes are a gift from God, from heaven, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen, get one of those babies right off the belt, if you, you know what I'm saying, okay. I digress, I've sinned before God and man when I go there. <laughs> what do we need to know? Your body, your body is the primary vehicle that God wants to use to show love to a lost and broken world. Your body is the primary vehicle that God wants to use to show others what it means to have a servant's heart and disposition. Your body is what God wants to use to practice what we often refer to as the ministry of presence, that when it is raining in someone else's life, when somebody's experiencing their own personal storm and living hell, sometimes all they need is just the presence of someone else in their life, knowing that you're just being available for them. God uses your body as his primary vehicle to show his love and to show his mercy and to show people 
that there is a living God, that there is a Savior of the world that wants his presence to be within your proximity. So, as promised, I'll give you some practical applications to all this when it comes to some things that I think are important to know. And by the way, if you don't know this, uh, maybe this will add a little bit to my credibility. Uh, and before I give you this information, for those of you who don't know this, uh, I've got a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I've got certifications in health and nutrition, as well as life coaching. And I used to own a health club. And so not only is this an important subject to me, uh, but it's something that was a part of my career path for a long time, over 15 years ago. And uh, I've seen the value that it can have in people's lives. But I would also confess to you that in the early stages of my life in approach of fitness and health, it was very much consumed by vanity, uh, where now it's completely changed in why I choose to, to be healthy. And I hope it changes for you a little bit. I hope that the time that I took this morning to go through this theology of the body helps you to reframe maybe your own personal approach and focus of health and nutrition. And I could cover a gamut of things, I really could. I could talk about how having a healthier lifestyle leads to better focus and motivation, that having a healthier lifestyle leads to better self-esteem, that making healthier choices when it comes to nutrition and fitness will decrease depression and anxiety in your life. I could talk about how it, it'll better your sex life in your marriage. I could talk about how some of the most successful people in life actually have something physically challenging that they put in front of them over and over again so they can overcome some, something hard, overcome some adversity and create some grit in their life. But what I chose to do instead is to give you three educational principles that I believe that understanding these will help you to build a more long-term approach and focus of your overall health and fitness. So I'm gonna give you three practical examples. First one is this. When it comes to long-term, again, just long-term health and fitness, you need to understand that it's 75% nutrition and 25% movement. Now, you really need to understand this because you need to know that there's a multi-billion dollar industry that's constantly trying to sell you the next, the next fad when it comes to you know, the next best workout, like goat yoga. What in the world has happened? And if anybody's done that, like I do free counseling, we'll talk about it, okay? And you're gonna hear all the right, P90A, and these, some of these things are good, I'm, but they're gonna sell it to you like it's the next, you know, it's gonna solve all your problems. 10 minute abs, you know, all this stupid stuff. And so um, you need to know long-term, 75% of your overall health and wellness will come from nutrition. And in the time that I used to do this as a profession, I would tell you that the most successful people that I worked with and found to you know, accomplish goals more consistently were people that food journal, so I'd encourage you to food journal, people that prepared their meals ahead of time because if you're, not, if you're not prepared, all of us are busy and you're gonna end up in that moment where it's like, ah, oh, I didn't prepare and I'm starving to death, I'm gonna eat four donuts, you know, what a, and that's your lunch. And it happens to the best of us. And so I would tell you, if you're gonna get serious about this, you're gonna have to prepare. And maybe you spend on a Sunday, you cook a bunch of food and make Tupperware, it's what we do in our house oftentimes, and prepare your food for the entire week. And write down what you eat and start to pay attention which foods make you feel good and which foods maybe make you feel sluggish. And you'll start to learn your body even and how your body's craving specific foods, maybe because of the nutritional makeup that they have. I would also tell you if you can, uh, if you're married, to get your spouse on board because trying to do this when it's just one of you uh, is gonna be very, very difficult. Now, when it comes to the movement side of things, here's your goal, okay? Here's your goal. I promise you, this is the best goal that any of you can have consistency, 
That's your goal. I don't care what you choose. You can choose hot yoga. You can choose, uh, what's the little bi bicycle thing? Peloton. Uh, you can run, you can hike, but find something that you can be consistent at. I promise you, it's the consistency over time. This is a marathon. Uh, consistency over time that will lead to the most success. So find something that's gonna, that you're gonna be able to be consistent at, right? Don't be the guy that's like, all right, I haven't been in shape for 20 years and I'm gonna go start with CrossFit and I'm gonna go do 50,000 burpees and then the next day you can't walk and you're like, I'm done. Like, I don't even wanna do this anymore. Don't be that guy. So 75% nutrition, 25% movement. The next thing that I would tell you that you need to understand is something called the set point theory. And I love talking about this stuff. I can geek out over it. The set point theory really does magnify the brilliance of God in creating our bodies. One of the things that you should understand about physiology is something called homeostasis. And homeostasis is what's referred to as kind of regular body function. It's your body, it's God designing your body to survive. And so your body's constantly trying to fight to regulate all the systems that are operating all the time. It wants, it wants that to be regular and have a rhythm to it. And so for instance, give you a couple examples. Your body's made up of 75% water. If you don't drink enough water, your brain tells your body to retain water because your body needs it to survive. If you eat too much sugar, your pancreas secretes insulin, unless you again have some problems like diabetes, but your pancreas secretes insulin because insulin grabs the sugar out of the blood and pulls it into the muscle and the list goes on and on. Your body's constantly trying to regulate. Now, why do you need to know that? The set point theory says that depending on what, and we'll just use weight, because I could use a couple different categories here. Uh, depending on what weight you've been at for the majority of your adult life, that's what your body is fighting to stay at. So let's just say it's 200 pounds. The majority of your adult life, you've been 200 pounds, but you want to be 180 pounds. It's going to take a little bit more work for you to get to 180 pounds than it would be the guy that's been 180 pounds the majority of his life, gained 20 pounds and was at 200 for a little while. He can get back down to that uh, 180 because that was his set point. That was where homeostasis was the most right. That's where his body is, what his body and brain were used to. Now, the good and bad news is that you can still recreate a set point but depending on what you've been at the longest, it's gonna take a little bit more work. So let's just use the 200 pound range. If you're 200, wanna be 180, you've got to get to 180 pounds and then stay there, the theory is, around 12 to 18 months. And when you stay there for 12 to 18 months by being really consistent for that 12 to 18 months, really consistent, your body recreates its homeostasis. Your body recreates its set point. And so now your body fights to stay at 180. It's kind of cool, isn't it? So, and here's even one cooler thing. If you were to go out and have four Krispy Kreme donuts and you hadn't been doing that for 18 months, 12 to 18 months, and so now you have all these, this additional fat and calories, your brain says, hey, we're not used to this. It will raise its own metabolism and burn off those excess calories. It's pretty amazing. And so you can change your set point. Now, last point is this. You need to have a vision and a why. And I'm gonna get serious here. It's gotta be more than just having a six pack. It's gotta be more than just attracting the ladies or whatever it might be. And for some of you, it needs to be more. 
because what you're facing is incredibly serious. I've talked to many people over the years that know that there's some genetic makeup in their family that would give them a disposition or subject them to greater chances of Alzheimer's or ALS or dementia or cancer. And so maybe the reason why you need to put a vision statement down is because you're fighting against something. You're fighting against a statistic. And my wife's in here and she wouldn't mind me sharing this with you. Within her family on both sides is a lot of breast cancer. And so when it comes to our why of why we choose to be healthy, there's some different reasons for us. Maybe for you it's substance abuse. And you know that there are certain things that maybe are okay. I mean, let's just use the subject of alcohol. You know, we're not legalists against alcohol here, but let's use the subject of alcohol. You know, can you go out and have a beer or two or whatever and be within the freedom of Christ and not be in sin? Yeah, you absolutely can. But some of you know that because of what's in your family, that you're subjecting yourself to greater levels of potential addiction. And so there are certain things that you need to remove out of your life. You need to to have a bigger vision and a why. I would tell you personally that my why has definitely changed. I already, you know, was transparent that a lot of this for me in the past was vanity about looks. And, you know, at 44 years old now, I would tell you it's about having the energy to engage with my kids. And my son's right here and I can still dominate him at basketball. So he, that's actually not true. He's, you are beating me more. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, I'm a preacher. I'm gonna tell the truth. He is starting to beat me more. But I wanna have energy for my wife and for my kids. And this is where I'll go another layer deeper. deeper. I've been dealing with some health issues and I've got some weird stuff that's been happening with my stomach and I had a lot of pain. I'm in the process of getting, you know, testing done and stuff like that and trying to figure out if I've got, you know, certain food sensitivities or whatever it may be. And so my why is starting to change because as I have several days where I feel like garbage, I start to think like, I wanna do this for the long term. Like, I, I don't wanna just get up here. I wanna have energy for this church. I don't want my passion to be bled out because of pain in my stomach or something like that. Like, I, I wanna be the pastor of this church for as long as possible and I wanna do it well and I wanna do it with a lot of energy and I wanna be the best I can be for you. Like, I really do. And maybe you've heard this, but when you're healthy, there's a lot of things you pray for. When you're unhealthy, there's only one, just for God to give you health again. And so I would encourage you to come up with a compelling why. We've already determined that we need to honor God better with the one body that he's given us. This is the dwelling place the presence of God. And so for some of you, maybe you need to take a step away from the vanity of it all and make a more compelling vision. Maybe for some of you, you need to just start making healthier choices because you know it's leading you to a lot more health problems. Maybe there's heart disease in your family or cancer in your family. It's like, these things aren't going to help you to avoid that. Maybe for some of you, you know that there are substances that you need to stop taking, drinking, or smoking because it's limiting how God wants to use the one physical body that he gave you. 
where his presence resides. I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna lead us into a time of response. Father God, I believe there's probably a step for everybody to take today when it comes to this subject, but I also know that maybe, maybe your Holy Spirit who dwells in us has spoken to somebody entirely different, differently than of anything that I've talked about today, that you've led them and their mind and their thoughts to land on something entirely different because there's a step that you want them to take, but it looks really different from anything that I've said. God, I pray that we would just be more open to that spirit that dwells in us. Father, I pray that if there are people here today and they know that they are abusing truly their body because of substances, they're smoking, taking, drinking, that they would start to think twice about what wisdom looks like when it comes to keeping this one physical body you've given us healthy because it is the primary vehicle that you want to use to reach a lost and broken world. I do believe we all have steps, God. Would you show us what that step is? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.